It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio okay. is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on the uh, third day of December 2014. We're here with our uh, co-host, Jay Basser. And uh, and Berta Simmons is here today with us, and our guest speaker today is Bob Walsh. How you doing, Bob? I'm good. I hope uh, in this immediate post-Thanksgiving, post-Blizzard era, everybody's doing well. And and since I probably won't be on the show again, I'll wish everybody the best for Christmas and the New Year holiday. Same to you. Thank you. Uh, what are you doing? Are you moving out of town, uh, Bob? No, we're just uh, uh, slugging away here. We, we're we're noticing interesting uh, trends, and I might have mentioned it in the last show. I think uh, uh, Secretary Shinseki's wonderful automated claims process has been turned into a denial bot or denial robot by the by certain people in the in the VBA and uh the trend that's going to go on here is uh yesterday I got a a 69 page long 25 issue denial of wow. all the claims uh of a of a combat vet out of St. Pete regional office and uh uh this guy's cardiologist wrote him a letter about his heart and that didn't matter they still turned it down he's got a pacemaker implanted in his heart and they still turned him down for his his his, uh heart condition so it's just uh uh been kind of perverted a little bit by certain people uh in the va you know into a way to clear their desk and and push it down kick the can down the road well where the cans are all getting kicked to is down to to the board of veteran appeal and i'm telling you this next year those those folks are going to be buried because you just can't you can't adjudicate that way in other words you had a million claims backlog you can't just you know and of course i had a week about three weeks ago uh, in 10 days, uh, in, in two weeks period, we had 10 veterans die. It must have been right about Boy. like that. And, um, uh, you know, one of them was younger than me, and that makes me nervous. So I just think that, uh, you know, mortality is on the side of the of the VA backlog. But as far as, you know, positive things in the system, I think I've seen a couple of claims that have been possibly done by the automated system, you know, where they kicked out a decision. Now, what I, the other trend that I've seen that's disturbing, we turned in a diabetes type 2 claim Uh for a Vietnam veteran, 101st Airborne man. No question he was a Vietnam veteran. No question he he was presumptive for herbicides. It was kicked out. That claim was a standalone claim on a 21-526-EZ. The rationale for kicking it back was you have a notice of disagreement filed on another issue. 
what would that have to do with this claim? Okay, that would be like, exactly. So you're you're at the gas station, and you're trying to fill up your your car, and you're trying to get the attendant inside to turn on the pump, right? And 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 they would say, we don't have any donuts today. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Well. Yeah. And I and you're waving, you know. I said, look, I didn't ask for any donuts. Turn on the pump. I want gas. You know. I'm at a gas station. You know, I put my card in the pump. Let's go. Okay. Well, we don't have any donuts. So some of this stuff, and, and then I had a hearing Monday with the Detroit regional office, which is always a pleasure. It's a good way to close out a holiday weekend. And I got down there, and my client is a type 2 diabetic. And he's insulin dependent. He's on the needle. And I have a bunch of these, and I don't know if anybody else does out there, but I'm telling you, I got a bunch of these guys that are that are insulin dependent on the needle, and they're only getting paid twenty percent. Ah. Okay. Now, the 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 standard in the regulation, you know, they talk about restrictions of activity, right? Type two diabetes with, you know, restrictions of activity then you get paid at the 40% level. Now, I got into it with this decision review officer, and, and I said, why isn't this guy getting paid 40? And he said, well, you know, restrictions of activity. Now, I mean, that you need a doctor to write a letter and say that he shouldn't be walking around. And I'm sort of, huh? Huh? What? 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 I said, um, restrictions of activity, typical restrictions of activity from being a insulin-dependent diabetic would be, I'm a law enforcement officer, and they take my gun away, and I have to sit at a desk now or retire. I'm an over-the-truck, uh, over-the-road, long-haul truck driver. And I can't get my uh, commercial driver's license renewed because I can't pass the physical anymore. I'm a pilot. I can't pass the flight physical, and I get my my ticket to fly lifted. Uh, I can't go out and play uh, play soccer with my grandkids anymore because I'll injure my feet, and that could be dangerous. So, you know, I have to carry my yeah. needle everywhere I go, and uh, I can't. Uh, I can't get involved in extreme physical activity because, uh, you know, my, my blood sugar will go out and I'll crash. You know, there's a lot of restrictions of daily activity that that fall short of being in a wheelchair. So that is uh, apparently somebody's training these folks this way. I mean, they didn't just this, this guy didn't just make this up, okay? I've heard this from several people. And he says, well, you can take it up with the board. Well, yeah, fine. Uh, if my client can live five more years, we, you uh, know, fine. You know, that's a. But that's again, we're kicking it down the kicking the can down the road here. So, what I wanted to, uh, you know, let you guys know is that 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 you need to get a letter from a doctor, and you and everybody needs to write out a list. You know, sit down with your wife and your friend and your daughter or neighbor or whoever and. And say, geez, from the time I turned up diabetic, what what have been 
what what can I do anymore, or what can I do as much as I did, you know, before? You got to write that out. One thing, you, you know, you can't drink alcohol, you can't eat cake anymore. I mean, you know, we know, you know, the diet restrictions. But apart from, and and repeat the diet restrictions. You know, don't don't not repeat the diet restrictions. For instance, uh, somebody who was, you know, if if somebody gets exercise intolerant because of their sugar, then they're going to gain weight. And so then they really got to watch their diet, you know, and yeah. get rid of even breads and other stuff they could do. So, I mean, this, this is, you'd say this is common sense, but we're talking VA land here, so beware, right? So that's just a couple things I wanted to raise up that just kind of came up. Now, everybody's getting now, and all the new decisions, everybody's getting the flyer on the on the web portal. So everybody put your hand up out there. You all know about the web portal, right? You know how these web portals work. Let me tell you how we're adapting to the web portal. In the Social Security Electronic Records Exchange system, you upload PDF files. You upload actual uh, Adobe PDF files into the system. You don't fax, okay? And the VA doesn't appear to be set up for that right now, so forget that. They're, everything's coming in either in the mail or in fax. We have talked before on this show and in other forums. We've, we've talked to everybody about the use of certified mail, return receipt. So the post office has a little light green card called a PS3811. It's called a domestic return receipt. On the back of it is a big block. That's where your address goes. And when I pick those up at the post office, we have a rubber stamp. And the first thing we do is we stamp the back of those babies so we don't accidentally not look and send one out that never comes back because there was no return address on it. The next thing is uh, on the front is a place to address it to, and that's going to, the, that's going to either Noonan, Georgia, or Janesville, Wisconsin. Now, when you get you get that filled out, then you've got another thing is the return receipt. And that's the PS form 3800. And that's got a barcode on it and it's got a tracking number. And there's a little strip with the at the top of it at the at the left end of it that's got the tracking number. And that's actually a little peel off. You don't have to write the tracking number in block 2 on the postcard cuz you can just peel that off and stick it on there. Now, that thing on there you write on, you know, where it's going to, the VAR, you know, the uh, Noonan or Janesville. And then and then you say also up in there you want to put someplace what it is you're sending out. And you want to do the same thing on the return card. Someplace you want to put a little note, uh, I'm sending in, you know, 40 pages of private medical records dated so-and-so, something. you got to keep track of it. So that later, if the VA says, well, we never got that, you can hold up your little card. Now, what we do when we send it out, the little tear-off card with the tracking number on it, we staple that to a piece of paper. And at the end of the cycle, when the when the card comes back, signed for by the VA, we staple that down below it. And you can keep it in your file. And what we do here is we scan it into the computer. We keep the file of those. 
So if we have to go back and get into a gunfight later about whether or not some important evidence came in, we can just go back and say, hey, now I was working on a court case this week, and I get into the record, and the guy says, here are two photographs showing that I have scars on my knees from surgery. There's no photos in the record. There's the letter. Okay. And so I called the client up and said, why didn't you send me those photos? And he says, well, I sent them to the VA. And I says, have you got any more of them? I don't know. And I said, well, they're not in your file. So now we have a problem here, Houston. Well, here's the deal on photos. If you're going to send in a photo, staple it to a regular-sized piece of 8.5 by 11 paper. And down below, write your claim number and write the date and write who took it and write what it shows. This shows my left knee with a scar from surgery so-and-so date. This shows my right knee with a scar, surgery, so or a gunshot wound, or whatever, right? And then make a color copy of that picture and send in the 8.5 by 11 color thing, you see. Now, I would mail in the color thing, because that's the only way it's going to get in the file in color, because I think most of us have black and white fax machines. And I don't think that, and, and we don't know what, what the VA's got on the other end. They don't do well with these photos, folks, but it's important to get them up in there if you can. Because remember, the CMP examiner can look at it then. If it's not in the record, you can't, can't get after them for not looking at it. So you've got, you can mail to Noonan, Georgia, and, you, and, that, and that covers the eastern side of the United States. And Janesville covers the west. When you fax in... On our fax machine, we have an answer back function, and so it's set up. So what happens when the fax goes, we get a a sheet printed off, which is like half of the first sheet you sent with a little notice up on the top uh, at this date time group, and then, you know, 10 pages were received at this other fax number on this date and time. Okay, that's cool. Then what Noonan does, and, and this is, this is only a reflection, I think, on the cheese heads. Noonan sends you an answer back sheet at the end of your message, a little one-page confirmation. Same thing. with the, This is Noonan, Georgia. You sent in uh, this many pages, which we received on this date. So if you tried to send 10 and it comes back and says they got 7, you got to send it in again. So that's good. You know that you made it. Now, we save those, and what we do is we staple those right on the back of that thing we just sent out. And then we scan it into our computer and make a PDF of it for for preservation. Now, Janesville, as of about a week ago, was not sending that answer back page, that confirmation page, because you, know, you wouldn't want everybody to do it the same. So half the country gets the confirmation page, and half the country doesn't. I can't make this stuff up, folks. I mean, you know, this is this is how it's going. All right. So, so you if if it's small stuff, you're faxing it in. If it's big stuff, you're mailing it in. Still, P 
people, the mail rooms at the VA regional office are closed for your evidence. They are not processing your evidence at the local regional office. And even if you're going to take the evidence to a hearing and show it to a VSR or a DRO or a BVA judge, you better get it faxed in or mailed into the system so you know it's in the system. And then you can take an extra copy into the hearing and show it to them and say, well, I put this in the system the other day, but I wanted you to see it. Okay? Um, So we're changing the way we do business here a little bit with the VA as far as evidence. Those are some of the... The other thing is it it's real important when you have these hearings to to drop off a 214138 or something and 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 officially ask them for a copy of the transcript. And when you get your record, by the way, you can get your record now in something less than 3 or 4 years. You can probably get your record in about 6 weeks if you ask for it. Send in a form 3288. If you have asked for your record before and you didn't get it, just go back and find that letter or the VA 3288 and fax it in to your web portal fax number. And about a month later, miraculously, the claims file will show up. They are really good down at Noonan. Uh, about getting them out. Now, most of my cases are in the eastern side of the country. I don't know how Janesville's doing on claims files because I haven't had a request up there yet. But I know that we find these old 3288s, some of them going back to like 2008 that they didn't, you know, they ignored. And we dump them in and man, zip, you know, we get them right back. Now, sometimes I think when it's taking like six weeks is because I think they're finding that file and they're getting it, they're getting it scanned. And that's a good reason, folks, to ask for your file, because if you ask for it, uh, that forces them to, to scan it and get it up on the computer, and then you'll be able to see your evidence on my e-benefits. Does, uh, <clears throat> do they give a code number for each veteran on, on that, using that port, portal? No, 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 no. You've got to put some kind of a fax sheet or letter on top or something that's got your name, your address, and your and your claim number on it so they know who it is. And uh, hopefully that's... what you want to say on there, too, is what your regional office is. Okay? I uh, know they used to require you to put your name and, and uh, your last four. No, what we each, do... On each page. Well, well, yeah. I mean, that rule, that rule still holds for for evidence because what's happening? The wrong guy's evidence is turning up in the right guy's file right now. This is some another thing we're going to talk about in a second. But you're right. You st- all the all the procedures that you used before when you when you mailed stuff into the regional office still hold because you've got to identify that stuff as your stuff. Now, if it's VA medical records and you know your names on every page you don't have to worry about it but if it's something uh you know if it's like a buddy statement or a newspaper article proving a stressor or something like that you bet down at the bottom that's like that photograph example I gave you've got to have you know and now what you've got to do is also put in there the regional office like 
Detroit's uh, regional office 329, uh, St. Pete's 317. You want to put that on there somewhere, too, so they know where this stuff goes. We have a little form we invented, like a little fax cover sheet that's specifically for the VA, and and what it says is, you know, this is where it goes, and this is the regional office, and this is the this is the evidence. This is what the evidence is, is about, because they've been getting nervous that we send them evidence, and they just don't know why we're sending it to them. We've been getting letters back. Why are you sending us evidence? Well, we have about ten claims to open, and we just thought we would, you know, something to do. So, all the old rules about about marking the evidence and documenting the evidence and keeping a copy of the evidence for yourself, all that stuff is still true. And they're doing the same stuff they did with the old mail rooms. They're putting Joe's evidence in Fred's file. It's also, it seems to be taking about six months in some cases to get the evidence into the file, right or wrong. So there's this delay, there's this lag between the time you send the evidence in and the time it comes up on the VBMS system. How are they doing on automatic, automating these files, getting these files scanned? I've, in, I've had hearings over the last month or so, and it looks like about 50% with Detroit. It looks like about 50-50 right now. But I think if you make a request for your file and ask for that file, that, that will push them to do that. It's in, it's in every veteran's interest to have his or her file automated because then you can get this stuff up on VBMS and you can see it. And, you, and it, it really is a lot easier for the adjudicators and everybody else to work these cases. And that's what you want them to do. You want them to work your case and make a favorable decision, get you paid, and, and get you out on the road and looking at the VA in the rearview mirror. So that's that's kind of an update on automation. We should all tip our hat to Secretary Shinseki. Now, I'm going to hammer another point that, that I have made in the past. I'm going to make it again. Uh, this is, uh, if, if we're on a ship, this is where, where they come on the annunciator, now hear this, now hear this. All hands. Okay. Here's the deal. Disabled veterans can have Social Security disability. Everybody repeat after me. Disabled veterans can receive Social Security disability. Okay? There are service officers and there are VA employees who cannot get this through their thick, empty heads, and who tell veterans on a regular basis not to file disability claims. That is wrong, wrong, and wrong. Here's the problem with the modern Social Security system. A few years ago, they changed the, the, the rules. The rule used to be, if you filed for Social Security disability and you lost... You just come back in after that claim and didn't file an appeal, you know, like a, like a VA claim. You know, you file a claim for PTSD and they turn you down and you miss your year. Well, a year and a half later, you can go in and file a new claim for PTSD, right? Well, Social Security used to be that way. And they said, well, we're, we're getting too many of these, you know, these repeat claims, this revolving door stuff. We're going we're gonna to nip that in the bud. 
And so they changed the rule, and they said, if you time out and you crash, you can't come back in. So you have to do it right, and you have to do it once. If you are a wounded person or a person that's been boarded out of the military with a disability, when you first get out, you know, and if you can go to work, go to work. I'm not saying file for disability. But if you cannot go to work and you're still in rehab phase or you just can't get, you, you thought you were going to be able to work and it turns out that after you get three jobs and you get fired after a week in each one because you can't keep up, that's nature's way of telling you that you need your Social Security disability. Now, my philosophy with young people is that this isn't the end of the world, but you need that Social Security disability coming in to take care of you and your family. And when you get going, and after you've been through your voc rehab and, and you've got your college degree, you're going to have new skills and you're going to be able to get a job and keep a job, and then your Social Security can go away because you'll have your income coming in from your, your job. But both Social Security disability and TDIU, total disability based on individual unemployability, and there are a lot of listeners who do not know what that is, so let's go over that again. If you have 60% for one condition, or you are rated 70% combined for a number of conditions, and because of one or a combination of those conditions that are service-connected, you cannot follow uh, obtain, gain and obtain and retain substantial gainful 20, 20 hours, sub, substantial gainful activity, 20 hours a week or more. Okay, pretty much the same definition Social Security uses on that one. If you can't get a job and keep a job, if you're if you're getting a job and you're getting bounced after 30 days, you're getting a job, you're getting bounced after two weeks. That's telling you that you don't have, right at, at this point in time, you don't have the residual functional capacity for that type of work. That does not mean that you can't do other work, but you may need training to get there. Or it may tell you that your, your injuries are bad enough, your medication side effects are bad enough, you're really not going to be able to get back to work. And in those situations, you need to pursue... Social Security disability, and you need to pursue the VA total disability based on individual unemployability. Now, the TDIU is available on an extra scheduler basis also. I've never seen it granted, but you can ask for it. You can always ask and always try. Now, some words to the wise about Social Security. Just like that guy walking across between, you know, Mr. Walinda walking on the rope across between the two skyscrapers. Do not try this at home. <laughs> if you are the wife, if you are the parents, if you are the, the, the best buddy, don't just let your friend go down to the Social Security office and take a number and sit there for 10 minutes and, and talk to somebody and file a Social Security disability claim. Empty-handed. 
in there with a driver's license and a Social Security card. That is not the way to succeed in the modern Social Security system. We mentioned earlier they have a web portal. They have this uh, uh, electronics record exchange portal, just like the VA has, where you, you you can fax stuff in, or you can you can email stuff in as PDFs. These young servicemen and women are coming out with the with the Department of Defense CD. They got all their records on a CD. Probably when they get home, they're going to get to a VA medical center or someplace if they're on TRICARE uh, for life. They may they may be going out to a military base getting health care or at a private physician. All of those records are relevant to your disability claim. You've got to gather them all up. You've got to get them ready. You can either get them ready in Adobe PDF files. You can get them scanned. You can go to Staples or any place, and they'll take these big, giant files, and they'll scan them for you. Or you can fax them in, or you can hand them to the Social Security people in paper and let them deal with it. But my point is the same rules of turning in evidence for the VA apply to turning in evidence to Social Security. You've got to keep a copy. You've got to have yourself a note on top that this day I turned in all this stuff. You've got to get a receipt. Now, the Social Security ERE system will kick you out a receipt. It kicks out a good receipt. It says, you know, you sent in, uh, you know, you're on, you're on the computer, and it, it, it comes back to the computer, and it says print a receipt, and then it gives you, like, uh, you know, you have to name these documents, like, you know, my service medical records, my, my service personnel records, my DD-214, uh, my physical evaluation board results, uh, my my local VA medical treatment from this date to this date, all those things, and each one it gives you a bullet, it gives you a line, and says you you know the file was successfully submitted. It's this size, it's this date, and this many pages of these records. So you got a really good record from them. They do that very well. But if you don't turn it in, and they'll tell you the technician at Social Security will tell you, uh, well, you just sign these forms, and we'll go get your records. Well, you know what? They're going to wait about two heartbeats, and then they're going to say, "We didn't get any records. We don't have any records. You're denied." And there's a place where Social Security and VA are a lot alike, because then what do you get to do? Stand in line for a year waiting for your hearing, right? Now, if somebody's in pretty good shape. Social Security has a bias against young people, okay? If you're walking, talking, and chewing gum, and you can stand up straight, they're going to be pretty hard on you. So if, you're, if your problems are not visibly obvious, you really want to consider, at the, even at that point, at the entry-level point, going and finding yourself an attorney. And if you have a if you have a VA attorney, if you have an attorney working on your VA claim, talk to that person and see who they work with that does Social Security. Sometimes the VA attorneys do Social Security. Sometimes they'll send you to another person. But you do not want to try this at home. And if you've got a really strong case, a really great case, okay, go on down and turn it in. We had a young man walk in this office about six years ago. 
He was 42 years old. He'd had cancer. It was terrible. He was in remission, early remission, but who knew? But he had had like about five surgeries. This guy had really been through the mill. But he's walking, he's talking, he's 42 years old. Unless he takes his shirt off and you see all his scars, you think this guy's in great shape. So he said, I'm going to file for Social Security, and I wanted to check if you guys wanted to represent me later. And I said, sit down here. He says, hold that thought. Take a deep breath. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to file for Social Security this week. First of all, you have a a five-month cooling-off period. The Social Security rules say that you haven't been able to work for five months. So from the time you last worked and you decide you're going to file for Social Security, you've got a five-month cooling-off period in there that you've got to gather up all your stuff. So this guy sat down and he made us a list of all of the hospitals he'd been treated in and all of the private physicians where all these records were. And we did re- HIPAA releases, and we sent off and we got all this. And then he came back in. Now, this guy's 42, and his pile of records, paper records, piled up, medical records, was three feet tall. And we made him a copy of that, and he carried his three-foot-tall stack of medical records over to the local Social Security field office. And he took his number, and they filed his claim, and he pushed his three-foot stack across the, the counter at him. And six weeks later, he had his disability. Because, you know, he nuked him, and that's what you have to do. You know, it's not, it's not, you don't, you don't want to have, you don't want to rely on having a tie. You know, if you need one run to win, then get a Grand Slam home run, get four. Okay, and that, and that, you, you'll never know how, how, how many extra records you turned in because you won, but you don't want to know. Because maybe it was one page and maybe you could have, you could have done with half of the records. But turn them in. You also have to advise the the Social Security people. They have a fast track program for disabled vets. But you have to tell them, I am a disabled vet. And we were yesterday. I had a Social Security hearing. I was talking to the judge, and he said after the the hearing, this is not a, a veteran, and we were talking about that problem. And he says they've got to tell us that they're disabled vets. I keep getting these cases up here where guys have waited a year for their hearing, two years for their hearing, and there's no VA records in this file. This is the judge chewing me out. Yes, Your Honor. So today I'm passing along the judge's admonishment. You guys tell the Social Security people I am a disabled vet. I don't care if you're rated 10%. Or you're getting SMC and you're getting $5,000 a month. You've got to tell them. Now, let's talk about why, where this myth comes from, that you can't have Social Security disability and VA compensation at the same time. Where the myth comes from is that Supplemental Security Income, SSI, in Social Security land, 
for people that don't have work quarters, they don't have adequate work quarters. SSI is like VA pension. It's means tested. So if you're a homeless vet and you're getting Social Security supplemental income, SSI, which is like pension, and you come in and get VA pension, which is maybe $100 more a year, a month than, than that, they they won't pay you both. They'll take away the SSI and they'll pay you the greater benefit. If you have SSI, which is, say, round numbers, $1,000, and you get, you're getting comp for 30%, what you're going to do is get two checks. You're going to get a check for your VA comp at 30, and then you're going to get the balance in SSI. Okay. But if you have Social Security disability or Social Security old age, it adds in to VA compensation. They add together. You don't have to give any of them back. And you don't have to file annual reports about them. So, while these people are young, you know, that date last worked, you go in and you file this Social Security disability. And I know everybody's young and they think I'm going to get back to work tomorrow. It's up to the wives and the mothers and the fathers and the neighbors and the buddies to say, look, dude, go get your Social Security disability when you get finished with college, and they will pay that at the same time you're going to school. They don't count school as work. They'll let you go to school and and keep getting it. Go get it. The other thing is um, there's this disconnect. There's a myth going around out there that that voc rehab won't pay for graduates. Somebody's got a baccalaureate, but they can't work in that that area anymore, like say it was engineering and and because of a traumatic brain injury, they can't they can't do the engineering work. Voc rehab will pay for a master's degree, for a second baccalaureate degree. They'll pay. I, we, I had a, I had a uh, we had a young man that went through law school on voc rehab. Now it varies all over the country because you know your your voc rehab uh, worker at the VA you know makes these decisions. Well, if they say they won't do it, appeal it. Go around them, go over them, go under them, go through them. But get to the boss and say, look, uh, the guy did it. If the guy can do it over there in Minnesota and go to law school on, on voc rehab, I ought to be able to do it here in New York. Is he a better veteran than me? You know, what's going on here? So keep these things, uh, you know, in this changing world. You know, we, I've, you know, I was talking to some law students a, a few years ago, and and um, the, a young man came up to me and asked me about the regulation, and it was the regulation about about DIC, the DIC election. If you go in there, there's an election for widows. Do you want to take your DIC, or do you want to take your Chapter 35 educational benefits? Well, most of my widows are 80 years old or 60. And then, you know, I was driving home on the expressway and coming along. Oh my God! We're talking about these young widows. 
we're talking about these young gals that are 25 years old who have two small children and whose whose husband gets killed. And our wonderful Congress and our wonderful VA have got it set up. So it's it's sort of like the old the old the old uh the old rustlers and the cowboys, right? Do you want to be shot or do you want to be hung? You can have your you can have your little measly chapter 35 educational benefit and starve or you can have your DIC 1200 a month or whatever that is plus a little bit for each child and and not go to school it seems to me that law needs to be changed and we we're working on that but that to me it seems you want to give that young lady uh, both benefits. If, if she can work out a way to go to school and get some help from her people, uh, you know, she ought to be allowed to do that in the interest of taking care of those kids. But um, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it right there on that. But but they get into some strange stuff in in this area. You know, I mostly do disability, folks, and I will tell you that you know that's the focus. I've learned these things sort of as little side issues. But there's this huge disconnect with these service officers about whether or not a veteran can get Social Security disability. They are putting out disinformation. It is wrong. It's hurting veterans. It's hurting their families. And let's get to the bottom line on this. When these young people come home, you've got to get... You've got to get them some benefits as soon as possible because what is the alternative? You're going to create a homeless veteran, a homeless family, or you're going to have a suicide. So it's important to give give out that correct info on this Social Security. Yes? I want to interject something. Uh, you know a lot of disabled vets that are 100% are drawing Social Security benefits and uh, say they've been rated for eight or ten years now for the VA and been drawing Social Security for several years. Social Security does re-examinations and, and, and claims. I guess they look at your they look at your claims every so often on a review basis. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of times they'll look at uh, your review basis and they'll send you a letter wanting to know if your condition has changed and all that other stuff. And, you know, you fill it out, send it back to them. And sometimes, sometimes they go in and look at you real close and try to do reductions and try to cut Social Security off. This is what they Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Now, you're, these are young people? Absolutely. Yeah. These are young people. And when they're doing that, the record is reopened. Okay? So what the what's the proper play here? When when you get that when you get that notice from Social Security, that is serious as a heart attack. That's a five alarm fire. And the first thing you got to do is do what you did in the beginning is go gather up every piece of medical evidence from the point that you turned in your stuff before up to the present. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing you want to do is you can use these DBQ forms, you know, these new uh, VA DBQ forms where they detail your disabilities. If if your disabilities are say traumatic brain injury and PTSD and then you got some orthopedic stuff you got a you got a bad leg or something get get a DBQ form for all three of those I'll tell you something else the if you just ask the VA medical center 
and say, I just want my pharmacy stuff, my prescriptions. Print it off as a separate thing. You know, usually we get we get our medical records from the release office and everything's all mixed in together. They can they can separate this stuff out for you. And with Social Security especially, you want to have them print off just those prescriptions from day one until today. All those prescriptions. And and put that in a separate file and give that to Social Security so their reviewing doctor can look at that and say, oh, my God, this guy's on Vicodin and Oxycodone and he's he's on Prozac. He's got all this stuff going on. You know, this guy can't work. He couldn't work because of the medication side effects. Now, they're going to – these guys um, – let, let me just tell you that the same doctors that do the Social Security reviews – over there are the same ones that do the VA comp and pen exams. Have I have I got the message across here? Does everybody know where I'm coming from? <laughs> There's a reason they're not treating patients, okay, because they kill them. So you you have to understand that that these folks are not in a clinical practice. They're reviewing records for some reason, okay, and some of them are doing that because they're not competent to touch patients. And some of them are old, and some of them are want to be part time and don't want to run a uh, medical practice, whatever the reason. But there's a lot of them in there that are a little, a little shaky and flaky. So you've got to really get those new records in there. The other thing is, uh, you've got to get uh, you've got those annual sheets from the VA that show that you that you get every year. You know, you get that update sheet. You're still 100 percent. You're still this. I would turn those into Social Security. Say here, my you know I'm still 90% being paid unemployability. My comp picture from the VA has not changed. Also, here's a here's a little uh, spoiler alert. A few years ago, Congress got all over VBA about doing these audits on the pension people. You know, so so the 90 year old guys got to fill out the little pension report. You know that I got this much money from Social Security and all that. And if they didn't turn it in, what they do? They they cut off their benefits, right? Well, they Congress got after them and they said, look, don't you guys have Social Security access on your computers? We gave you that access. Oh yeah, we can we can sit our computer to VA and we can get right into the the Social Security record. And, and we can see. Well, then why are you bothering these people? If you want to audit all these pension claims, then go on down through. Ask Social Security for a report of, of who, a, a matching report of who on pensions getting money. You know, and then look at those one by one. Don't don't bother everybody. Right? Wasn't that like in the military? You know, one guy goofs up and fifty guys do push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Congress said stop it. It's mass punishment. Stop it. Okay. But they haven't stopped. What's the other equivalent of this? The annual review. Was it the 4140? The annual review form for TDIU. They haven't stopped that. And I've had about 10 in the last year where they mailed them to the address where the guy hadn't lived in 25 years, and then he gets a notice uh, you didn't respond to your to your annual review for TDIU, so we're proposing to terminate your TDIU. Well, that's a big hit. You know, sometimes that's fifteen hundred bucks a month going to come off that that comp. And so now the guys in my office all you know crying and panicked, 
and you know all upset. And we, I said, did you fill out the form? He said, I did. Did you keep a copy? No. Did you send it to me? No. Well, okay, let's fill out a new one, and let's fax it in here to the web portal, and let's mail it in, and let's call them up and fax it. What you got to do in that situation is you got to get a hold of the of the local regional office, get a fax number for somebody there, and send that thing straight into them, and they'll fix it. But it's a huge issue, and folks, once it gets knocked off, if they take that comp off there, it's going to take you two years to catch that horse running out across the desert. You're going to have to go through the appeal process to get that back. Well, the reason I asked that question, Bob, was I had to, I got a review last, uh, I guess it was in June or July this year, and uh, they pretty quick, that's the second one I've had in two years, and uh, I never told the Social Security that I was a 100% total, permanent total veteran. So I went off e-benefits and printed letters out and stuff, and I, I replied back to them with that with that letter in the VA. Yeah, there you go. Right, right. And uh, I got a letter back about two weeks later says we no longer need to review your case. <laughs> right. And usually those reviews, again, those reviews are usually for younger people. Um, I'm surprised that they would review anybody, uh, you know, over 50. They, they, You know, Social Security manages their resources, their time, a lot better than VA does. And they're pretty conservative about doing reviews. But young people, every two years, young people are going to get a look. Now, that look may be only a look in the computer, and they may not even know that there was a look. But they're going to get a look in the computer, and then if uh, if somebody thinks that it warrants an actual review, they'll get pulled out of line. And it, it's like TSA going in the airport, you know. Uh, you know, every 12th person or something, you know, uh, gets pulled out of line for a pat-down. You know, it's just it's like that. But they don't allocate a lot of resources to that except for the very young people. And sometimes they get that review like the, the second year. You know, two-year anniversary, you'll get a review. And then you might not get another review for years and years. Well, but I they can do it at any time. I think they're vengeful because somebody else in your household puts in a claim for Social Security, and you file a form, file the, uh, you file, a, you fill out a form for them, and you send it in because you got to put your information on there too. They see your name on that form, and well, let's just look at this guy too while we're at it. Well, exactly, and that like the local field office over here, they don't like attorneys, and so I had won this guy's case and fought it, and fought it, won the guy's case, and and uh, I called up. You know, after a couple months, I say, hey, where's my fee? She says, oh, well, we we didn't process it. I said, excuse me? Well, you, we didn't process your fee. I mean, why are you charging fees? I said, oh, because I worked on that case for five years. You know, that's why... I, that's why I charge the fee because I'm not legal aid and the government doesn't pay me. You know, I have to pay my light bill and stuff here. Uh, you got some weird people working for Social Security. So they didn't telling. pay your fee. No, no, because she decided that I didn't. I didn't deserve it. That fee's mandated by law, wasn't it? Well, yeah. So but she gave the problem? money. She gave the money to the claimant. Mm-hmm. And then the judge said, "Well, he gave money to the claimant, and you know." You can go collect it from the claimant. And, of course, the claimant's a deadbeat, so I never got paid my money. 
Okay. But that's and the VA does that a lot too. They like to do that. Same 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 analysis. Well, he could have gone to a service officer. Well, yeah, he could have. In fact, he did for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I won the claim in two. So so maybe I'm 80 times better than a or 20 times better than a service officer. I don't know. Well, anyway, hey, quick question. Service yeah. officers. If you go to see a service officer, okay, and he gives you some bad advice, and he sits there and fills your claim out for you, and you sign the bottom of it, and you pursue that claim on the bad advice that he gave you, and you have to wait 10 years to get service connection and get this mistake straightened out by the service officer, can you go after them for any any, any, any recourse that cause you harm? If anybody's litigating against the service officers, the service organizations are 501s. They're, they're nonprofits, right? The position of the Secretary of Veterans Affairs is they are not our employees. They are not our agents. We, we don't know anything about them. Who are these service officers? And, you know, what's the response to that? Oh, they're the guys that you pay millions of dollars to every year that you certify, that you charter, and who have offices down the hall from your from your uh, your regional office staff that have lunch with your regional office staff every day. Those guys and gals, you don't know who they are. You've never seen them before. No, we don't know anything about these guys. So, so they, you know. Uh, excuse me, there is a case as had it, Bob, whereby a veteran uh, did sue his service officer for failing to file his TDIU form for him. The veteran, in turn, filed it with a later date and lost uh, quite a bit of money because of the EED, and he sued and he won. I don't know if it's on our new board or maybe it's on the old hat board, but the case. Uh, I, I I filed a suit against my service officer of the DAV in federal court. Right. Well, but they resolved my, you know, you can, you can sue anybody. But uh, I was only doing it to make a point. Uh, I well, already no, but won my case. No, I, I, one night I, I had a Marine call me up here, and he was going to leave a voicemail, but I was here working. It was about 10 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night. And he talks to me, and and and, and he had absolutely... Absolute negligence. He had been screwed out of about a quarter of a million dollars because wow. of the local service officer. Wow. And I said, "Well, well, here's what you got to do." And I told him what I've just told you guys. I said, "You've got to sue the service organization." Okay, that's where the money is. You can't sue the service officer. He or she doesn't have any. Right. Money. You right. got to sue I the, the DAV, and the DAV's lawyer is the one that uh, I. Uh, I had to depose them. They had to depose me. You're right. You're absolutely so, right. So then what you get is, uh, uh, you know, and I think what's happening, Berta, on these, I think there are some people that are that are doing this, and yeah. I think they're getting settlements, so they're not on the record, so you can't find them. But but if you can't do it through VA channels. In other words, you can't go to the secretary and say, these guys were negligent, pay me, and they're going to say, your attorney was negligent, uh you know, your 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 dog bit the neighbor. It doesn't concern right. you. You've got right. and, and so then but what my local marine said is, Well, I don't wanna sue the D A V and I said, Well then oh my God. why are you wasting my time on the phone at nine thirty yeah. at night, Marine? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing and, and here's my here's my bottom line about this to that man. And I said, First of all, I'm not gonna do it. 
you got to go to somebody that does like uh, uh, medical malpractice. Okay, you got to go yeah. to a, a a personal injury lawyer, somebody who does torts. They they know how to do it. They can do it. But here's the deal. I said I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I, it, it's it's I'm not going to do it because I'm not I'm not unwilling to do it. I said I'm not going to do it because I'm too busy to do it. Okay, so you you've got to go to those specialists and you've got to do it because, like you said, it's civil litigation. You got to do depositions. You got to do a lot of stuff. But I said these people, in certain cases, these people doggone well need to be sued. And when they've screwed a case up, and, and and attorneys have malpractice insurance, and attorneys get sued when they screw a case up. So yeah, go ahead, you know, and. Because the VA's never going to pay you that back pay. I know. And so if that if that's lost, if if all your remedies are foreclosed, and and I don't, and then you've got a peril too because if you if you stick on the case and try to recover through from the VA, um, and then you finally arrive at the conclusion that you can't, has your statute of limitations passed in your state right. to to sue them? So I think once you find out about it, I think you have to bring a cause of action, and you may stay it, you know, adjourn it until until you see how you do over in the VA side. If you're if you're able to make your recovery through the VA, then you say, right. well, you know, you can shake hands and part friends. Uh, but right. I think the damages are pretty easily calculated in these cases because you just go to the tables and you say, look. But for this guy not telling me, I was I was at eighty percent, and I was fully entitled to TDIU, and he never told me. And I have these cases. I have a case of that where it was twenty five years. Boy, it was a World War II vet who was a pharmacist who had to retire early because he smashed his legs, and he was sixty rated sixty percent for his legs, and they never told him Boy. That, that he could just. Oh. Just file, and it wasn't the DAV, it was another service organization. But I'm saying, I never told the widow. I won the widow's DIC claim. She had been fighting for DIC for 10 years, and I won the DIC. And that's when I told her, uh, I said, I said, you know, this service organization really screwed this up. I said, your husband should have been told to file that, that DIC way back there. Yeah. And, uh, of course, it was, you know, it was... It was 20 years ago, so it wasn't as much money as that would amount to today. But still, the point is, uh, you know, their income was was terribly restricted because of his early retirement, and they were they weren't in good shape, and and it, it would have meant a lot to them. So, yes, these things happen. My position is not equivocal on that. You know, my position is that that uh, it's case by case. Some people say, well, it's morally repugnant to me. I'm not going to do it. And I says, fine, then why are we having this conversation? Yeah. But the point is that there's a curative side to this. I think if a few people would do this, uh, maybe the training budget would go up a little bit with these organizations and their their standards increase. Uh, Yeah, that would be great in the long run. Do I have time, Gerald, for one comment and one quick question? Go ahead, Berta. Okay. Uh, on the diabetes uh, claim that you mentioned, Bob, uh, we had one the other day that had it. We get them from time to time. And you could tell right away the guy was low-balled on his diabetes. 
And another thing that you had mentioned, you know, none of this happens in a vacuum. I mean, I think they're trained to lowball uh, veterans' claims. But one thing I, uh, I just wanted to add, uh, I used the 1997 diabetes training letter from the VA to prove to the VA that my husband had diabetes mellitus from Agent Orange, which was never diagnosed or documented in his records at all. And when I won, it trumped my FTCA 1151 DIC because there's no honor in um, wrongful death. There's a lot of honor knowing he died due to not only uh, diabetes uh, mellitus contributing, but also to IHD. But uh, the 1997 training letter had some little clues in it that are not in the newest uh, training letter, but I did post that letter for the particular veteran that had it because that's where I got my clue on how my husband was symptomatic of diabetes. Uh, this veteran rattled off a few things he wanted to claim. Everything he claimed would have a direct potential nexus to his diabetes. All he needs is a real doctor to say it or the CMB doctor to say it. You know, doctor right, but tell paper. everybody, tell everybody, it's a computerized system now. You've got to yeah. get your doctor to fill out the DBQ. Yes, you need the Nexus letter, a little letter on top of it, but fill out the DBQ because the computers are going in and looking at that. And use the 21526EZ form, and in the EZ form, do, do an EZ form for each claim. But if it's secondary to a service-connected condition, say this is secondary to the service connection, uh, service-connected, uh, you know, DC code so and so diabetes mellitus two, you know, and and and, and so so you've got peripheral neuropathy, yeah, of the hands and the feet, not. and you've got to claim yeah. it for each one. So right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, and then you've got oh. the. You've got the eyes, okay? Yep. And so you've got to do that. And, and exactly. Yeah. You, and then there's yeah. the, uh, so so you're right. But you've got to say clearly, and I would file each one as its own 21526EZ, and I would resend oh. as an attachment all the, 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 the documents, the glucose tests and, and the DBQs that support that particular one, I would send each one in as a separate claim for fast development and see if it'll go through. Because if they go through in in a couple months, you can be paid for those. Boy, that that's good advice, Bob. Because I don't think veterans are are uh, looking at it that way on the uh, easy form. No, uh, you've that's got, great you, advice. Uh, you've got Carol. it. You've got because we've been we were getting them bounced because they were saying, well, you you know you get the the boilerplate crap, right? Well, this condition yeah. wasn't shown in your service records and and didn't yeah. didn't occur within one year of your discharge. Hello, it's secondary. Yeah. Mm. That is excellent advice, Gerald. Boy, I'm going to make sure that this veteran that had it uh, listens to the show if he's not listening in right now. Uh, and my quick question, uh, Bob, and I'm afraid that this situation might come up in the future. Um, uh, someone thought it possibly was a cue. Uh, it's an Agent Orange situation. When I saw Agent Orange in Q, that's what I live for. <laughs> uh, what happened was uh, one of our members was helping a widow. Uh, she was denied um, an Agent Orange death because they said her husband was not on the Agent Orange ship list. 
It was denied at the BVA about a year ago. It went to the Court of Appeals. Get to the Court of Appeals. Well, in November, the ship's list just came out again. It's been added. Uh, November 25th of this year, the ship is on the list. Uh, I ran over this, uh, and actually I got more information, uh, even there's more there that I missed uh, while we were uh, on the show. It's a queue. It's a queue. Right. But how, I was thinking queue, but how can the board make a queue on something they don't know? It's a Watergate question. Well, no, it's it's a nemer. Okay, then it's not a queue, it's a nemer, okay? Because now the ship's no. been added to the list, and now it's presumptive, and so now you go it's, back. Oh, it's, it's Blue Water Navy. It's not Nemer. Well, yeah, but what and I'm saying, but the same thing. No, no, what Blue Water Navy's about is getting you covered by Nemer. What the ship's list is about is so that you can you can take advantage of the presumptions in Nemer. So I think, you know, and you, you need to check with Bart Stitchman and NVLSP on that, but I think Boy, if they, they add a ship, I think if they add a ship, you get a look back, just like you well, get with Well, that's Denver. what I was thinking. Uh, I don't think it's a motion for a queue at the board. Uh, it's a revision. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a motion for a re- revision. A reconsideration, yeah. Yes, That's yes. what I'm thinking now, because, uh, and you're right. And the, the the woman has an attorney. I asked who it was, but I don't, they didn't reply yet. Well, no, give the, the attorney, attorney said, this, yeah, give the attorney this advice, and if... And if there, it does, so the the court, the court's decision is irrelevant. The the real, you know, because yeah. it's not rest judicata any longer because because the the facts have changed. I think it's a a motion for reconsideration and revision at the court or at the mm-hmm. board, and and I think you'll win. Yeah. Right. And Bert, it's okay. Also, that's great. It's, because. It's uh, also a 3.156 issue for records and uh, I ran over that for about an hour, and I couldn't see how it fit in, uh, John, because it's not a question of newly discovered ship logs or newly discovered military <clears throat> records. What well, it is, I, it's it a might be a of, B. Yeah, but it might no, be 3.156B. The regs go also going to state might, but I'm going to read it over. But the still, regs I also... The regs also state it's also a part of if it's a corrected evidence or a corrected document too. So that's a, this is a corrected list, so it would be the same. Right. Okay, folks. I think yeah. we're out of time. So every, Boy, everybody have what a, a good great holiday. Show. Everybody you have too, a good Bob. holiday system, uh, holiday season. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for coming on, Bob. Okay. I hope yeah, Bob, it did some good. You, Keep the lights on in Detroit, Bob. I heard it kept going out the other day. <laughs> oh, man. We'll do it. We'll see ya. Bye. All right. Bye now, Bob. Thanks. Boy, that was a great show, guys. We're not done yet. Let's uh, let's recap a little bit before we sign off. we got a few, we got some time. Oh. Well, you, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, uh, that Agent Orange uh, uh, situation at the board, and I have a free, uh, I'm afraid that that's going to happen more in the future as more ships go on the list. And the thing is, the court could not find an error in the board decision because the first thing I thought of was the board made a queue. But it's not a queue. Uh, queue is like Watergate. What do they know and when do they know it? So I disregarded that. This vet needs to ask for a reconsideration on the board because of the new evidence that's added that ship to the list. Yeah, yeah. That's a slam dunk, Bert. It should be a slam dunk. I hope so. Uh, there's uh, more at the uh, website on it. The, the, uh, this is one of our members helping a widow, uh, and apparently she did get DIC because of asbestos. That wasn't the problem. Well, that's, 
This was an accrued benefit, huh? Yeah. They, okay. they awarded her for an asbestos death. But yeah, that's their Miley. <laughs> huh? Asbestos is right down my alley. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know, John. And, and and luckily she was awarded that. But this was a pending accrued claim for Agent Orange, IHD, and DM2. And um, what, what so ship was it? Well, I asked, and he hasn't told me yet. Uh, okay. Maybe by the time I get back on the board, uh, I'll know. He gave me part of the citation date, but uh, maybe not enough to actually find the uh, thing. But I have okay. a, a feeling that this is going to happen more in the future. The board's going to, the regional office will deny. The board will deny. It'll go all the way to the court, and then another shift list will come out and uh, bugger up the work. Uh, but what bothered me the most about this post that had it, uh, the veteran said, the attorney said he is going to ask the VA to settle, but not to get hopes up yet. Possibly a cute claim of all denied. Well, it's it's not a cute claim at all. What bothers me is who is the attorney, and when they say VA, who who is he settling with at the VA? You know, I mean, what 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 are what point are they at to settle? I'm thinking, yeah, I'm hoping that he considered motion to reconsider. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's that way. We're allowed to let's yeah. make a deal, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know uh, that 3.156 is a powerful regulation. Boom. It's almost as powerful as 38 CFR 4.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to fit your evidence. The evidence, of course, has to fit into the regulation. And I just read it over very briefly this morning. That regulation. So, John, you you've got a good point. It's possible that he could raise that even in the motion to reconsider. He can but raise that because that record, that record yeah. was corrected. He could raise that. He can yeah. fix that. That's easy to do. As long as he yeah. does it the correct way, he should be no problem. But uh, it's a very uh, interesting case, and I just think in the future that this might happen to more uh, Blue Water Navy veterans, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can prove that they were on a ship exposed to Agent Orange. But, uh, I think I'm but in any event, huh? I want to use my book Pardon rehab me? and go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on the show, I, I, on the show, uh, I mentioned to uh, Bob Walsh, I did to the uh, DAB uh, in federal court. I, I represented myself. I have a legal background. But um, the DAB lawyer, after I deposed the service officer, well, I whipped out my some evidence they never dreamed I had. I, I pulled out my uh, FTCA award, and uh, the DAB uh, lawyer uh, pulled me to the side and uh, after it was all over and said to me uh, that he strongly advised me to go to law school. And, and you know, it, it, that's nice. I've heard other lawyers say that, but the problem is we're all already in law school. I mean, you know, we all know 38 up the yin yangs, you know. And uh, I, I wouldn't see any benefit. I had more fun in military school than law school. But um, it, I think it's disgraceful, though, John, that we do have to be, practically be lawyers and doctors ourselves. Uh, most disabled us cannot possibly handle it all. You know what I mean? On their own. Uh, and in that case, they've got to rely on spouses, family members, high school students who know how to use a computer and help them search. I mean, there's a lot they can do to gather the evidence they need. 
you, you know what I mean? And, and that's one of the biggest problems I see. The VA tells you exactly what evidence you need to send to them. And if they don't get it, they just keep denying and denying. And when they say that they're going to a the DOD or Joint Services Record Research Center or they're going to check here or check here, I never believe that. I think that the veteran themselves should take those steps as well because um, I have SMRs. I still have a file on this guy, SMRs, that the VA told his service officer were burned in the St. Louis fire. I've got his SMRs. They're right in front of me. I mean, right in my file cabinet. They were never What's born. What's his last name start with? Um, I forget. I forget. He was Air Force, though. And what's uh, his last name start with? The first letter? The first letter? Uh, I think old. it was P. I think it was P. P wasn't involved in the fire. Uh, uh, well, no. And when the and then the vet rep uh, that he had gave me two. Finally, gave me two SMR sheets of paper. He said, "Oh, I did get these from the VA." I said, "Well, wait a minute. Where's the burn marks? Where's the char marks? Where's the water marks?" I said, "Those firemen didn't run into that St. Louis uh, depository." And, and pick a few <laughs> pieces of paper out of everybody's file. But um, but in any event, um, I, oh, and I had another rat. He got the same bull crap from BA. They said that his um, fires were burnt in St. Louis. Uh, he was had the alphabet of his last name that they were looking at. He was Air Force. Uh, but the problem was, he wasn't even born when the St. Louis fire occurred. <laughs> Can you believe that? I wonder, I wonder how I much mean, money that fire, that fire saved the VA. A bunch. <laughs> a bunch yeah. yeah. They told me the same thing. My pile burned up. Oh, it's that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You're, but you're, um, probably, what they will pull, probably they could will have. pull. <laughs> but uh well I, I have to go guys we're not on the air anymore are we yes we are oh <laughs> that's nice Jay. um uh there's a few things I didn't understand that Bob said uh why would a widow have to choose between DIC and chapter 35 I got both I mean I mean I just I didn't understand it. Uh, unless the BA yeah. is changing. No, it's yeah, just another, I, uh, that's a roadblock. Another uh, roadblock that's going in front of you to, to I, get you I just point, give up. I can't oh, quite understand. Now, now, this might pertain to one who, uh, uh, a young widow who had lost her husband in battle. You know, he, he died uh, uh, well, fighting. But they'd still yep. they'd get the same benefits, wouldn't they? Right, direct service connected death. It's the same thing that that I get, Gerald. I don't understand yeah. that. And <clears> also, <throat> um, Bob made a point about elderly widows. Well, I went back to college when I was a senior citizen, and the VA they they paid the whole nine yards for half of my degree. I mean, just because we're elderly, it doesn't mean that we'd stop learning. Um, by going to a military school for four years, it enhanced my ability to help veterans. Uh, I'd had it and elsewhere, you know, um, so I was kind of surprised that he, uh, you know, mentioned that. Uh, but uh, but that that's okay. I, I, that, that just shocked me. 
There is no new regulation that says you cannot get DIC and Chapter 35 at the same time. I could not comprehend that at all. Uh, maybe I'll send him an email and ask him what he's talking about. Yeah, um, it's just a roadblock. Unless he was talking about, um, maybe he was talking about um, the DIC offset under, um, is it Chapter 31, uh, TRICARE? For retirees, yeah. I forget what that's called. Maybe that's what he meant. Because um, if they have SBP, Survivor's Benefit Program, that is offset to any potential DIC they could be awarded. And yeah. maybe that is exactly what he's talking about. Because Chapter 35 comes, yeah, that comes with DIC. They don't get chamfer either because they've got TRICARE. It's their right. SBP. But, um, and that's always a good subject, too, because that, those, those things are better. I mean, I have a real good friend, military, retired 32 years, and he asks me TRICARE questions. <laughs> and, and all I can do is Google TRICARE and see what it says in the booklet that he has in his office. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, uh, you know, it's nothing that I can pull out of my hat right away. But, well, um, it surprised but, me that a disabled veteran filing for Social Security could go the fast track, didn't have to wait the six months. Yeah, that surprised because, me too. Because you know? uh, that must be something new because I had to it wait is. six months. And uh, they were well aware of the fact that I was a disabled veteran because the VA's one sent them all the uh, pertinent information. Well, yeah. you still got five months to wait. I mean, you still have, you still file your claim, but you still got they've got a five month waiting period to start paying you. Yeah, yeah, that has not changed. But this director of Social Security is pretty new. It's only been out a few months now. Oh, it has. Okay. Right. Well, that's a good change, I think. Yeah. I took advantage of it. <laughs> boy. Yeah, and boy. I told him to leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John, boy. That that, 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 was that was pretty powerful up. words. You know what? Permanent <laughs> yeah. was pretty powerful words. Permanence of powerful words, especially when you show them that. Yeah. 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 So. Boy. Well, guys, I, uh, I hope stretch is okay. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't get logged on. Yeah. yeah. Boy. That's what I'm here for, though, just in case he can't get logged on. We have other avenues, so we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's that's had, great. He's had, he's had some computer issues. Well, Gerald, buddy, I tell you uh, what, we're, we're we're ready to shut her down. Uh, Bert, right. I want to thank you too for coming on and uh, and making this a making this an outstanding show. It was already a good show, but your presence just made it a really good one. Boy, well, it, it was a very exciting show, and Bob Walsh is absolutely superb uh, and very knowledgeable. He's a great lawyer. And he wins a lot of cases. <laughs> yes. But uh, I, I, I'm going to um, close out everybody, and uh, i got to get running uh, to maybe I'll go to the local Kmart. I hate to go there, but maybe I'll go there. Kmart. But, uh, geez. Uh, but in any event, thank you both. I think it was a wonderful show. 
Okay, thanks for coming on, Oh, you're welcome. Uh, well, you're we welcome. had one, but I missed him. I, I couldn't get stretch. him forced in. It was stretch. Oh, no, it wasn't, oh. it wasn't stretch. Uh, uh, oh, I, I think it was Chuck 75. Oh, okay. Boy. That's my fault. I'll take the blame for that. Sorry about that, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Drill, take us home, buddy. Okay. Thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen, for listening in. And don't forget, Hat it does have a, a donate button and uh, could use your help. So whatever you can give, a dollar or two, uh, certainly would be appreciated. And uh, uh, Hat is here for all veterans, and and uh, we want to keep the website alive and up and going so we can continue to help veterans. Uh, uh, you'll find there's a good group of people there, and T-Bird's done a terrific job keeping the site going, but you need a little help right now, so uh, let's all pitch in a little and try to help her out. This will be, and, and John, thank you for coming on as co-host. Berta, thank you for being here. And, of course, our special thank goes out to Bob Watch. Uh, he is super attorney, and he, he likes to share his information, and had it uh, really blessed uh, to have that contact. So thanks for tuning in. This will be Gerald Cook. We're signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basher Show.